Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. You know, you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, blizzard thing. Blizzard thing. The blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are. But, you know, there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay, but the big question on everybody's lips. On their chapped lips. On their chapped lips, yes, right. Do you think Phil is going to come out and see his shadow? Punk's a tawdy Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day! Well, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, welcome to yet another wonderful episode of Nothing Good. Uh, guys, we have a really special guest here with us tonight. Uh, I think we all we know do. exceptionally well. Uh, the one and the only, the magnanimous, the badass, Drew <laughs> Brown. Please, let's... Welcome to the pod. Warm Drew. welcome. Hey, hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. You guys are all splendid individuals. Really swell guys. Uh, that was probably the nicest thing you've said to me since you've started record or said about me since you started recording this podcast. It's, it's um, I have nice listened said about you quite yes, a bit. Right. And if there's uh, anything I could tell the internet, this is the first time I've ever said okay. anything about you on this. Podcast. <laughs> the rest of us are the ones who rip on you all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't yeah. say much about you because I care. I can't really argue that because normally what sticks out in my mind is the voice of Dave or Noah making said insults but i'm here to tell the rest of the world um especially peru hello peru uh that i am all of those things and i hope you come to learn that uh well if we know anything peru likes to come whether it be to learn or to not well, welcome welcome to the show gentlemen what an apt episode that we have today because today is groundhog day and we're talking about groundhog's day Shocker. <laughs> How, about that? How about that? Um classic cult comedy, classic film. Uh and I, does this rank pretty high on everybody's list of uh, all-time comedies? Absolutely. No. Yeah, I I've <laughs> I I I watch this movie several times a year. Um every year. Uh, I will particularly watch it on Groundhog's Day on repeat as it has become a uh, newly tradition. But uh, I, I, uh, I often think that, and, and it's tough for me to say this because I'm such a Ghostbusters fan, but I look at that as such a collaborative effort. I think this is Bill Murray's best work. Mm. It's be. a hell of a movie. It, it is. is. I mean, if it's not my favorite all-time comedy, it's my favorite rock com for sure. Like, for sure. Like right out there. Which, which, which is a great question to ask here in a few minutes. Is this actually a romantic comedy as it pretends to be? Or is there something darker, more sinister happening under the layers <laughs> of Groundhog Day? But, but I wanted to start this off by mentioning that of all the movies we've reviewed here on the show, 
thus far. I mean, we've we've gone the special go super serious with children and men. We've gone super ridiculous with Mortal Kombat, a bunch of horse shit in between. This is not the first Bill Murray movie, but this is the yeah. first movie uh, that sets and it starts in the exact same place that we live. This is a our first Pittsburgh movie here on a podcast in which four of us, five of us now, all live in the Pittsburgh, greater Pittsburgh area. Within the first 90 oh, yeah. seconds, no. um, in case the rest of the world doesn't know, within like the first 90 seconds of the movie, you see in the background the Pittsburgh skyline. It's just like to set up where they're based out of. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's much much like the rest of Pittsburgh and its, and its citizens unaltered since the early in every 90s. possible way shape and yeah, form exactly the same as it is today <laughs> story oh before we dive into that what everybody drinking today oh that's a great question well, i'm gonna start off right now get it out of the way uh i am drinking uh a lot of water i don't know if you guys have ever had the feeling that you've dumped a whole bunch of garbage into your stomach over the course of a weekend eating terribly and then the next monday morning you feel as if atomic bomb going off but not in a good way in a really really bad way that's how my stomach feels right yeah. now so there, instead of putting way? more beer and more garbage in my stomach <laughs> my goodness <laughs> ice cold water um i'm drinking mars beer a double ipa get your ass to mars to mars <laughs> i am drinking uh, a lustra from dancing gnome in sharpsburg it's their flagship ipa very nice Oh, yeah. What you know about Sharpsburg, Sharpsburg motherfucker? Drew, what are you drinking? I am living dangerously. <laughs> um, because I am still participating in dry January. And even though it is February 1st in like half the world east of London at this point, um, I, I, I'm going to say that I'm drinking a latte with four shots of espresso. All fired up. I like it. That's where I'm at. Mac, you brown, fam you brown family love your coffee, man. You don't not, you guys don't fuck around. Nope. Like ev every coffee has 17 shots of espresso in it. I don't know how any of you even like blink. <laughs> we don't. We we're, we're, we're really we fast. just fall asleep really slow. <laughs> right? And then yeah. open some. So uh, Mac, what are you drinking? Gentlemen, I put much I, more I am, things in my body. I am drinking a cherry Pepsi that uh has quite a bit of rum in it. Nice. There you go. So there you I like that. I'm sure that I'm uh, because you know dishes have been a uh, uh, quite a chore recently. Uh, this is a nice way to save on adding a glass to the dishwasher, and you know she'll carry me through the day. Nice, very nice. It's when you're pulling the Let's plastic speak. forks out of the dishwasher that like, you know that you've hit a certain point in your life. Indeed, indeed. Well, we've all hit the certain point in our lives where we're talking about this film. Now, listen. Let's not split any hairs here, okay? If you're with our shitty podcast and see this title come up on your Spotify or wherever podcasts are available, and you haven't seen this movie, even though it's been out for 30 fucking years, uh, I have no hope for you. I hold no mercy in my heart for you. Fuck you. Spoiler alert. Go see the movie before you listen to us babble about it. Yeah, seriously. You know, but if you have seen it, then you know that it's a movie about a guy, a douchebag, who lives the same day over and over and over again. And it happens to just be the weirdest, most Pennsylvania holiday that has ever existed. It's Groundhog Day. 
So did every anyone yes. see this in the theater? Did everyone see this in the theater when it came out? What's uh, what was your first exposure to this, Jafar? No. Yeah, I don't. Not. I don't recall seeing it in the theater as a kid. I mean, it came out in '93, so I was what 12 then. Um, I remember seeing it as a teen, uh, and many times as an adult, but never as a kid that I recall. Okay, Mac. But then again, I grew up in Ohio, so yeah. we didn't really give a fuck about Pennsylvania and their groundhogs. Nothing wrong with that. Mac, did you see this in the theater? I did not see this in the theater. Um, you know, it is, uh, this was definitely something that I caught on HBO when it, when it, you know, a year later, because that's how it worked. Movies were in theaters for a very long time, you know, leading up into like the early 2000s. Um, so you didn't actually get your movies until, uh, you know, VHS or anything until about a year later. So, um, but no, I caught mm -hmm. this one on HBO and this was uh, the, one of my, I, I, I loved it instantly when I saw it. I wish I did see it in the theaters, but, but no, HBO. Jones, so did you did or did not? Absolutely did not. And, and uh, actually, well, uh, and yet again, as always, I, I'm like a broken record. Yet yet another movie I've not watched in decades or at least 15 years in its entirety, mm -hmm. at least. Um, the one thing, the scene where he's playing the piano uh, or the keyboard in the club and like, he stops the band, puts the fist up to stop the band. I remember that being part of the trailer so vividly. As soon as I saw him, I the trailer, I remember the trailer, watched that over and over again on TV. Uh, but uh, no, first time I watched it was probably <laughs> like network television. I right, well, watched the Groundhog Day trailer over and over again. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's uh, that's very meta, um, but I I can answer for Drew because we did see this in the theaters when it came. Did out. we? we didn't. I, like I feel like the first time I remember like vividly watching this movie from beginning to end was on VHS. Oh yeah, like, well, uh, we saw this in the theaters with Dad, uh, and then a year, two years later, whatever it is, when those things came out in VHS in the nineties, uh, they came out. Jackie, mom, got it, uh, and and watched it every day, twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> a year for like itself. so it was like groundhog day was groundhog day it was like it was brutal but yeah so you get the really you don't absorb it as a child the way you do as an adult and especially now watching it back right. for the show to, to 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 the existential dread that comes with it uh you know isn't there when you're five or eight or ten years old but we did see it in the theater we did at the washington pa okay movie theater so so exciting, fun times. Uh, but here we are. So let's just ask a big question. Let's ask a real big question. Uh, what? What exactly is this? A romantic comedy? Is this a romantic comedy, or is I, this a fucked up guy stalking this girl every day, and she just doesn't know it? She'll never know it. That he learned everything about her, all of her secrets, all of her. She know he knows how many. I'm so glad I'm not the only one who yeah, knows. It, it's because it's hundred percent. Yeah, it's not just her. It's half of the rest of the citizens of Punxsutawney <laughs> that he's just creeping around for however many years he was stuck in purgatory. That is Groundhog Day. But yeah, I, I think you know originally, if you look at when it came out, Harold Ramis, it was pitched as a rom-com. I don't think it plays it, as a rom-com today. No. Maybe it did then, but we're in a completely different culture now where 
some of the shit is very suspect and <laughs> compared to even where it was a few years ago. You know, the, the American Film Institute has this movie listed as a fantasy film. And they actually have it listed as one of their top 10 fantasy films ever made. So, you know, when you, I think when you consider the concept of the movie itself, you know, I think, I think the way that it was like pitched was that, and I'm trying to find the original because I've, I've spent a lot of time kind of researching this movie and uh, over the years just on my own because I love it so much. Um, I think what Harold Ramis said was the original concept was that Bill Murray was reliving Groundhog Day for 10 million years, but they actually scaled it back to 10,000 years. Like that was the idea uh, for him, that he relived that day over and over and over again for 10,000 years. So I think this movie, like, like a lot of good Bill Murray movies, they take on a number of different genres. You know, there, there is a, a rom-com aspect of it, but there's a fantasy element. Obviously, it's a holiday film, um, as, as anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't um, deny that. And, and pro- it, it has to be the number one Groundhog Day movie ever made. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. anyone can argue that. I mean, that, it, I it sits alone on the top of that mountain, man. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I look at this more as a, as a, as a fantasy. Um, and yeah, you know, there's, there's some, some fucked up things that, that Phil tries to do, but of course, you know, in, in any film where the main character has to have a redemption, you know, it doesn't work. You know, that those, all the, all the shitty things he tries to do to get over on some of the townspeople for his own benefit don't, it doesn't pan out for his benefit. So you know, he even says that. I think there's like that one thing he's like, you know, I was, there was a time where I was in the beach and I spent all day with this girl and we ate seafood and drank booze. We made love in the sand. Why couldn't I live that day over and over and over again? You know? <laughs> um, and even in his attempts to try to maybe make some of those things happen, you know, it doesn't really turn his way until he starts doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, even though it's like one of my favorite rom-coms because of that romantic comedy element that's obviously in the movie, it really like rom-com because it's more about him really, I guess, falling in love with himself uh, eventually at the end of the movie. Uh, that, and then by the time he does, everybody else does too, you know, and that's it's all about redemption. Yeah, and there was actually a lot of conflict while it was being made. There was a lot of friction between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray because Ramis wanted to push it in the rom-com direction, and Murray just wanted to make it his own and make it more of like that fantasy type thing. Uh, so there was a lot of clashing the whole time because there was a sort of this juxtaposition of how it should be or how it should be, depending on who you ask. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you put it on paper and like a man, uh, terrible dude has to live the same day over and over again. And he learns to be a better person to those around him and people that don't expect it. Right. It's, it's, it's a very almost like reverse. It's a wonderful life. Right. And when you put it on paper and cool, but somehow from him being a dickhead weatherman uh, and his first instinct is to begin to manipulate the people around him. And then that's where he, and then he goes through this, oh, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to rob a bank and all that. It goes through every 
terrible person thing he could think to do and then ultimately ends up at manipulating everybody again so it's kind of like does does he really grow or does he learn to uh, when to show the parts of his personality uh to, to make people like those parts of his personality because if you come right out and be a dick to andy mcdowell at 8 a.m she won't react as well to it as if she does 8 p.m after a couple of beers and sit next to chris elliott for uh for a couple of hours and really at the end of the day let me just tell you this if i explain like oh come on back to my house let's watch this movie where this guy wakes up every day next to this girl for ten thousand years and every day she doesn't know anything about him and he learns more about her every day and what she loves and how she hates fudge and how she doesn't like certain types of ice cream flavors and begins to move and shake things and know how she loves acts of kindness and how he learns the heimlich so he can save somebody right in front of her and gives money to somebody so they can thank him right in front of her and at the end of that ten thousand years mm -hmm. he actually gets to go on to the next day where they bang it's a great love story <laughs> like people are like, what the fuck's wrong with <laughs> this is not a love story well yeah it's a, it's a, I, it's a it's sincere so uh case of infatuation and obsession um and i think because you figure the first few minutes of the movie he you can see the clear infatuation he has there's no love there's no emotion it's just pure infatuation that infatuation over let's say 30 40 years or however many decades or 100 years 10,000 years whatever it is becomes pure obsession and it's so un the fact that when he's I mean, making his last... move on her and she's saying no and he's still trying and she's saying no and he's still trying and she's pushing him away and he's oh still trying God. to put his hands on her and it would not stop it was so uncomfortable to watch then there's a uh, montage of a year's worth of slapping yeah yeah let me uh, you know doesn't know how to say no and it took him decades to learn that well like the last line of the movie is what can i do for you today or something along those lines where he's just like realizes it's the next day hey what can i do for you so yeah he's like like obsession servitude at that point it is kind of creepy mm. i mean he's a broken man at that I point always in my just tried to ignore what could possibly be like like creepy about that movie so that i can actually enjoy it because if i get lost in like what he did over the course of even as little as 30 years or as much as ten thousand years i i don't think i look at that movie the same when i get a little spun out on that idea you know what i mean yeah i i think it's mm -hmm. i think it's easy to go down that rabbit hole of of thinking about the negative connotations about you know what phil does as a person because you know obviously at the start of the movie he is a self-serving self-centered self-focused individual mm -hmm. um you know he he talks about wanting to go big time and leaving the the new station at pittsburgh and you know him going to do the groundhog is beneath him you know that whole town is beneath him and even his producer you know who is new to the station she's not big time like he is the cameraman's not big time like he is so you know, I think when you start off with that character arc and, you know, when you when when they were making the movie, you guys know how Bill Murray is when he makes a movie. He doesn't ever pay attention to the script. He doesn't really worry about what's on paper. He was asking Harold Ramis when they were shooting the scene, what Phil am I being, good Phil or bad Phil? <laughs> and then he would just kind of take it in that direction, you know, and, and Harold Ramis, you know, clearly knows what he's getting into with Bill Murray because they've worked on so many movies in the past together, too. Um, but. You know, I think anybody who falls into that situation where if they find themselves living the same day over and over and over again, 
you're going to run the spectrum of the type of person that you are. Because when, when you're living a life without consequence, then what kind of life are you going to live? I think anything any of us would probably look at certain bad things that we would never do. And then, you know, made, like robbing the bank, you know, he was able to kind of like watch when they were going to turn their back on the, on the armored truck and, you know, grab the bank, uh, the, the bag of money and walk away and everything. You know, if there's a way that I could figure out how to bust into an ATM machine on a day where I'm in loop in, in, in perpetuity, I would at least max out somebody's credit card and just go have a good old time doing something, right? I mean, it's 1993. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Fair> yeah. <minimum. laughs> yeah, but like, I, I think that... Um, I think the film does does a good job of establishing his character and and exactly what his character is because I think that leads to you know the redemption that his character gets by the end when he's not doing it for himself and he's doing it for everybody else and that's obviously the time when you know Rita does fall for him when he does decide to use this for something good rather than something bad. I mean, hell, he did what I would have done as one of the things, watch the same episode of Jeopardy over and over again and just memorize all the answers. <laughs> I love that yeah. scene when he's just sitting Press there answering all, all the old people questions. at the bed and breakfast. <laughs> absolutely, man, Classic. absolutely. No, yeah, no, so just Well, you guys know, I'm saying apparently Bill Murray wasn't the first choice for that movie. Uh, they apparently had asked Tom Hanks. Now, this was according to what culture name drop. Uh, just like watching different videos and stuff, just getting ready for, you know, today. Apparently, Tom Hanks was the first call on this. Uh, but they're glad that he turned it down because he wouldn't work because he's too nice. Everybody knows him as a nice guy. Michael Keaton was offered this, apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. But Bill Murray's uh, who they went with after that. Yeah, Chevy Chase was considered for the role. Yeah, Chevy uh, Chase. Oh, thank uh, God Chevy Chase was not in this movie. Mm -hmm. Listen, I right. just watched I just watched Funny Farm the other day, and I would have loved for Chevy Chase to have been a part of this movie as well. I love Chevy Chase. I'm a, I'm a can big... I can I put my hand real quick and say something? Here. Absolutely. I have a, a moment of uh, honesty with my friends here. <clears throat> I've never seen that movie. Funny Farm. What? Never Funny Farm. I've never seen it. You're not missing anything. The closest I've ever been to Funny Farm, the very closest I've been, I'm pretty sure, are it's a trailer on the Ninja Turtles VHS. It's a trailer for it. That's the closest. <laughs> that, that, counts. Counts. that counts. That counts. Um, every time, and I want, and I remember that because I watched that. Movie every time I go to so watch Funny times. Farm, I'm like, oh, I'm really in a mood for Funny Farm, and I get ten minutes in and realize, oh no, I'm in a mood to watch Money Pit. <laughs> to watch Money Pit instead, so I just and, and, I, yeah, so and I, I live the rest of my life happy, knowing that I'll never make it. It's like what? a Stromboli. I don't like Stromboli, and I never remember why I don't like Stromboli until I'm about uh, a slur into a Stromboli. I'm like, ew. Uh, Chevy I wanted Chase to count. Is Ned oh, that's what I want. Chevy Chase's Ned Ryerson would be interesting. Yeah. I think Chevy Chase, the only time yeah. you could put Chevy Chase in this movie would have been great is if they go to open the log and out is Chevy Chase in a top hat. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Buster, uh, Brian Doyle Murray is struggling to hold him up as he sees the shadow. That's it. And then he drives off the cliff with him. So, uh, now, Matt, I want to I say something that. you said because you brought up really good points. And I know I kind of, although I see the kind of the negative side of this story, because uh, to me, it's very, it's like, it's in in my face watching it uh now back as an adult but you know you mentioned that the uh, anna mcdowell's character fell in love with bill murray's character and it was all you know it was, it was a wonderful did she fall 
in love with him? Did she fall in love, to, in love with the twisted version of him after 10,000 years of existence? Yeah, because she's <laughs> she still, she she still only knew him for with. one day. That's yeah, she really didn't. Can you actually fall in, in love? Day? Right? Like, oh. I feel like no matter what, like the love story, the that part of this movie, it's like so shallow. It only, <laughs> only takes place over the course of a day or so, you know, and, and that human being becomes I, I'm, I'm sitting there i'm watching a movie and he's like you know he killed himself a bunch of times whatever he did what the movie doesn't show you is how he murdered the entire town like all the crazy things he might have done listen <laughs> yeah there's ten thousand other scenarios on <laughs> oh, I, I, what i wanted <laughs> to add he knew there were no repercussions god knows set the town on fire one night he just decided to fucking run everybody over with a car what, um, what i Whoever Phil became is not is not a human being anymore at that point. How could you even be sane at that point? Like you know, well, just... there's 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 Go two on. thoughts I want to add on to that, Jones. Just kind of help you out with that, right? Number one is if only this whole complexion of this movie changes. If there's only one thing that's different. After every night when he goes to bed before the goddamn Johnny and Cher song plays, if he just rolls over and he has a picture of Annie McDowell and he just scratches the eyes out of it and then go rolls over and pulls the blanket. <laughs> Up, like real tight to his chest then the whole movie that's all he has there's no other day it just adds a whole vibe but no one bothers to ask what the, did being alive for ten thousand years in the same day will do you what kind of psychopath he's gonna be the day after <laughs> Groundhog day like that's gonna mess yeah. like how like that's a good oh, that would point. be so terrifying and it, that'd be terrifying and, and then he turns there he's like let's live here like no you've known him Forever. for a day how do you? Oh no, no, no. Yeah, I'm sorry, that's, that's how do you be, go from yeah. going ten thousand, even if it's thirty or forty years of of no consequence, to now having consequence for the rest of your? How do you even handle that? Can you? Well, I think I, I, I think in the in the arc of the story is that he does come to grips with the things about himself that made him who he was when this whole thing started, you know, the, the arrogance that he had, the way that he just distreated people and mistreated people, the way that he passed people off, the way that he considered people, you know, naughty people, you know, the way that uh, he looked at his cameraman and, and just that they weren't anything at his level, all the people of Punxsutawney were beneath him. And as he goes into that, that darkness, when he does, you know, repeatedly kill himself and try to find ways to get out of it and where the, the insanity takes over, he did have the opportunity of kind of coming out of that where, you know, a lot of people, obviously, if these things happen in real life, they don't have that. Where, you know, no matter what you try to do to get out of something, you can't. So the only way that you can really get out of something is if you pick yourself up. You know, I think if you do relive the same day 10,000 times in a row, um, you're going to, you know, find all the aspects of your personality that you can take, that you would consider. And I do think ultimately that, you know, he did want to be a good person. So he did dedicate, you know, at least the back half of that experience to trying to do good for the people around him because doing bad to himself and other people didn't lead to anything. He learned that. So, you know, I think that's a big part of the arc of the story is, you know, those experiences. Interesting. I, I'm Interesting. with you. Uh, I question it, right? Because how did he, there's no way he could have known by doing all these wonderful things that he could get out of it. So he was just doing it just to do it, right? 
But why do so, that? Yeah. It doesn't so matter. I, just wanna, I wanna go on my, uh, my little eccentric way with a conspiracy theory that I stumbled across uh, whenever I was researching you know, different things about this movie. We've all heard that it's supposed to last over 10,000 years. Well, uh, the conspiracy theory that I came across is that Ned Ryerson is the devil himself. And because of the way that Phil interacts with him on the first interaction, he's decided to stick Phil in a time loop until he decides to sign his soul over. And whenever that scene, the day it ends, is the day he signs all of those insurance policies. He then gets Phil's soul. Oh man! And wow. got him out of the That's loop. heavy. <laughs> well, that, that, that's amazing. I did not see that that's incredible. incredible. Alex like, Jones yeah. couldn't even come up with that one himself. Return of the Frogs, gay, and Ned Ryan's the devil. No, uh, that actually leads credence to to my personal theory as to what happens not the day after Groundhog Day, but the day after the day after. So Anna McDowell comes home one day with a bag of groceries because for some strange reason, she's been manipulated into quitting her job as a professional TV producer and living in a small town (laughs) in fucking Punxsutawney, PA. Which, by the way, if you, dear listener, haven't been to Punxsutawney, PA, you ain't missing anything, all right? It's fucking worse than the movie leads you to believe it is. But you fucking get... Well, even uh, even this this movie was not filmed in Punxsutawney. Nope. Filled, filmed in uh, Woodstock, Illinois, because Punxsutawney <laughs> wasn't Punxsutawney enough. Nope. <laughs> to film the movie there. But here's my theory. She's got a brown awesome. paper bag of groceries. She comes in, she's like, feel! And she opens up the door, and there is uh, Larry, the cameraman, Chris Elliott, and he's been skinned from the chest down, and in his <laughs> blood, written on the wall behind him is... There is no shadow. And then she just sees, then we just cut, and it's just Phil, Bill Murray's feet dangling. Um, oh my God. When she looks at she oh drops she drops the bag of groceries Fuck. and that's what happens that's the groundhog day sequel because he can't go back from that and it's what's that shitty movie with sam neill uh crap no it is not first off <laughs> fuck you it is not a shitty movie no oh, Groundhog Day is not a shitty movie no, no 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 the movie you're referencing is not a shitty movie with sam neill you're thinking of event horizon and that's a no 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 not event horizon because that's right. got lawrence fishburne i would have led with Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, just making sure. There just is a sure. movie we were about Sam Neill. Uh, there's a um, a movie where Sam Neill plays. Uh, he's in. It's about a writer, right? And Jesus Christ, it's going to kill me. And he's a writer, and it's basically Stephen King. It's if a Stephen King book comes to life, and that's what we have to pretend is an interesting concept of the movie. But it ends with everybody almost sort of event horizoning their way out of this movie. Right, where every character you meet meets some sort of, oh, I like this person. You turn, and then there's a message written in blood, and their feet are dangling. And it's, I guess it's, and it came <laughs> it out like really the, around the same time as Groundhog Day. <laughs> was it, was it the piano? No, that, that's the director's cut of piano. That's a different movie altogether. Um, uh, was it in day? the mouth of badness? In the mouth oh, of that badness, movie. From 1994. That movie, yeah. No oh, shit. I haven't seen that movie. In a while. I know. I know. Movie yeah. And, and my, oh, too. Okay. Dear sweet Peruvian listener, go watch In the Mouth of Madness, but only after watching Groundhog Day for the first time. Because in my <laughs> brain now, they're canonically linked. There it is. You know, Drew, you. you so, go ahead, go ahead, Herb. No, no, no. no please, I was going to say, go. Drew, I, I kind of. So, you're, I, I'm going to take your conspiracy theory and I'm going to raise you a little. Sure. I don't. Okay. I don't believe that that Ned Ryerson is the devil. I believe that Ned Ryerson is in a time loop of his own 
okay. in Groundhog Day. You said that earlier. And I'm curious now. Yeah, because you know, you saw what what Phil does in the movie, in which he tries to gather information about somebody. And then the next time he comes across them, he uses it to gather a little bit more and then a little bit more. And then the next thing you know, he's talking to the person like they're old friends. So you can see that Ned Ryerson uses that same tactic. But I think we're, you know, 150 interactions in with Bill Murray where he knows where he went to high school. He knows about his sister because, you know, Ned Ryerson probably asked him those things because he was trying again to do his life about selling insurance and whatever else yeah. so i i've always mm -hmm. believed that ned ryerson was actually in that loop as well and i think that's also why a lot of times he was so thrown off when phil started acting differently you know especially when he's like ned wherever wherever you're going later can you cancel it <laughs> you know um, and he's and he's holding him and everything and ned just gets really you know really uh, nervous but yeah i've, I've always kind of leave that um, you know, Ned was going through it first and then mm. ultimately, you know, it ended up Bill Murray getting stuck in that as well. So I don't know at whatever point Ned got out of it. Um, but I, I, I think that he was going through something similar. Ned was an insurance salesman with a dark past. He was selling some shady insurance policies to people, <laughs> taking advantage of the kind folks of Punxsutawney. And then, no, sir, you're not getting out of this Groundhog Day loop. Watch that first step, Ned. It's a doozy, right? So I, I've, I've always kind of held that thought process. And the more I've watched the movie, the more I kind of fall into that. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a really good segue into another topic. We want to talk about this. Oh, it really calls shit. into question. What? What if, what if that's all it is, is continuous back and forth loop between those two characters. And that moment that he's like, at step, that's a doozy. That's Ned Ryerson passing off the time loop, maybe unknowingly. And then whenever Bill Murray folds and finally signs all the insurance policies and makes Ned trust him again, he's handing off the time loop and it's just forever ending. Groundhog Day for the two of them. That sounds oh awful. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But I mean, that, what that draws in the question is the autonomy or lack therefore of of the rest of the town. Not even just the rest of the town, but you have characters that, uh, you know, that start this movie in Pittsburgh, Chris Elliott and Andy McDowell. And then you, you come here and they don't have any say. So, you know, that whole credence that the Matrix is real and we live in a simulation for these people. It absolutely is. I mean, is is are they in their own version of hell? I mean, like you said, Jones, there's no telling what he did to these people over the course of yeah. those ten thousand years. Listen, he might have walked I around with the people in the diner dark. In hat. Yeah. Oh, brutal though. Nothing good happened. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you son of a fish. I'll drink to that. I'm not sure what's worse. Right. I, listen, I try. I, I'm not sure what's worse. It's like, you know, living the same day over and over again uh, until your eyeballs fall out. Or having your life moved around like a, like chess pieces on a board by some uh, unimaginable force. You're experiencing pain, love, death, joy, sadness, tragedy every single day. The same ones. A little boy who falls out of the tree. How many times that poor boy died? How many times did he fall out of that tree? Jones, he never died. Hey, that's awful. No, Jones, he never that's died. Terrible. He never died. Um, this movie, and this is another thing I do want to talk about. Um, it's a, it's an extremely smart movie. 
because there are little things that you don't notice that they're doing while the movie's going on that is happening later in the movie. So my point, Jones, when the old man dies and Ben Phil tries to do everything he can to save him, there is that point when he's in the waiting room. And the doctor comes out to talk to him and lets him know that he died. You actually see the boy in the background of the waiting room with a cast on his leg. Okay. Oh. Well, so, I'll see you nice I'll be better. How many times did the old man die? How many times did he have to experience death? A cold, sad, hungry, miserable death over and once. And, and for what? For some self-centered head to learn a lesson about existence? Get what the fuck out of here. 10,000 different times, but once. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's you know. Like, what? I mean, you never remember the other 9,999 times. He just did it once. Yeah. Him, it was and, once. And, he and died once. Look, that's a good call, Mac, because I did not notice that. Not all the other people in this town that experienced also facets of emotion. I guarantee more people died that town that day. How many uh, times did that guy walk in on his wife fucking his best friend? How many stub toes were there, Mac? How many? Can you imagine stubbing your toe the same way every day so, <laughs> for 10,000 so, years? So, Joan, that terrible. seems worse. <laughs> so, That's also, dear, dear listeners, dear Australian listeners, I'm going to go ahead and reference mm -hmm. our friends from Down Under. Um, down I was supposed to go to Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day. Uh, a number of years ago. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Jones, because the reason I didn't go is I ended up having a little bit of an accident like the week before, and I hit my foot uh, in the bathtub and broke some bones in my foot. So I couldn't really be in a position where I could go and stay up all day for the whole Punxsutawney thing. Uh, so some of my, our friends, Mike A to Z, Emily, Alan, Rick, they, they ended up going without me. And uh, instructed me about how horrible the experience it was. Yeah. Have, uh, have any of you guys of ever been to Punxsutawney outside of me? I have. I've, I've been. I there went to the radio on Hawk Day. Uh, an awesome. Scene. I worked in wrestling Punxsutawney, just outside of Punxsutawney. Crowd was well. They, they were the kind of wrestling crowd you would see at a small independent show in Punxsutawney. <laughs> very easy, very easy to work with, but it was a horrible drive. At two o'clock in the morning on the way back from that show. Horrible. Try finding a place to eat in Punxsutawney. It cheats. It's basically the only place to eat in Punxsutawney uh, after after dark. But um, no, it's terrible. Here's the other thing, too, is we're not just talking about the small population of this fictional Punxsutawney. And we're not just talking about the people that, that arrive with Bill Murray in this movie. But Groundhog Day is, for some ungodly reason, Mac can vouch for this, a tourist fucking destination. Because who doesn't want to see a rodent in the middle of deep rural pennsylvania but people that town square in this movie is fucking packed so that's a lot of people who are in their trapped at a time loop. someone took the and day off of work to drive six hours to get caught in a time loop and they just arrive at the at, in order to see phil get pulled out so they their time loop starts with them waking up at two o'clock in the morning leaving their home in upstate new york getting in their car, cleaning off the snow, and driving all that way just to make it in time to get stuck in Bill Murray's shitty life lesson. You know, the 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 attendance in Gobbler's Knob no. is an understatement. Gobbler. It is way more packed than that. It's it's almost right. I, that's actually a porn movie. I realized that before it was even a uh, an actual part of that movie. Uh, maybe it's Gobbling Knob. I don't really know. I could, could be wrong on that. <laughs> 
but like you have to um but you have to you have to um uh, <laughs> I just I just <laughs> maybe it was gobbling up like like pondering the fucking mysteries of the universe. Uh you know important questions um, we ask here on the show listen but but yeah you have to you there are no hotels within like 100 miles of punxsutawney if you're trying to get there the day of they have to they have to drive you in like you have to get on shuttles to get into the town there's no parking it's it's completely packed so um you know it's it's like a weird um you know times square new year's eve you have to get there at like 11 p.m the day before and you have to stand there and basically not try to go to the bathroom anywhere because you'll lose your spot and you'll never get back in it's it gets that intense mm. you know so for all those reasons uh i'm glad that i didn't go because it definitely uh uh sounded a little bit um, rough but gentlemen uh, th- there's one question i want to pose to to the room here um, and I think this is going to be an interesting insight to each of your psyches. Go on. And, uh, Jeff, I'll, I'll start with you. Great. If you were stuck in Groundhog Day, if you had that situation where you had to live the same day over and over and over again, what would be one thing that you would make sure to do with it? Besides aggressive <laughs> masturbation. Oh my God, that was literally my first thought. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. Like, oh, every building he throws himself off, I'm just fucking and switch hitting all on the all on the way down. No, no, no. You do a downward tug, like you're milking yourself, like a cow. (laughs) Jesus Christ! I don't know. I'm gonna top that shit. (laughs) No, I I don't think that. Go for it. I'd probably get into some devious shit. Probably won't go into as much cock detail as Noah just did. Uh, It won't involve gobbling knob or any of those things. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. Jones, what would you do? You, you, one day it can, it's going to be repeated over and over and over again. What would you do with it? Uh, I mean, honestly, that's a really weird question to, to try to answer. Um, and, and, and I don't know when it's just the same situation. Um, my initial reaction uh, is to... Pr- Probably, is to probably tell people what I think, people that I don't like, people that uh, that that I have certain uh, feelings towards and, em- and negative emotion towards, telling them how I feel like they're going to probably burn in hell. Uh, that's probably what I do initially. Yeah, just get it all off my chest. Noah, besides getting it on your chest, what would you do? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I would answer this in two parts. If I was going to be a nice person, if I was being good, Phil, uh, I, I would probably, I don't know. I don't even know what I do. I'd probably get arrested for being crazy because if you start trying to tell people this would inevitably get ridiculous. But <clears throat> let me tell you what I'd do at least one day. I too would watch the bank and wait to see how much hash I could possibly rob from the fine people, punks and honey. And then on the other times of the day, when I'm not watching the bank, the time of that robbery, I would watch the people of the town and I would look for, this is going to get awful. And I apologize for this, but I would look oh, no. for the happiest couple that is in Punxsutawney, unbreakably happy. And then as soon as I robbed the bank, I would take all of that cash and I'd go up to the happiest couple. And I'm like, I will give you all of this money 
for one night with your wife. <laughs> just, just go full indecent proposal. <laughs> just yes. go full in, you know, here it is. Here, 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 full indecent proposal, but he has to walk and just fucking ruin this marriage. Okay. <laughs> like, are you, you going to, it'll, it'll be fine tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And no, I'm talking about like the most visceral, loud, like war cry grunt as I climax, eye contact, sweaty brow. <laughs> Like I had this guy, and then the next day when I see them at the diner sharing a, a nice little piece of pie and French toast, like the cutest couple they are, they don't know, but I fucking know. <laughs> would, would you make him wear a blue bandana around and, his eyes? Uh, no, call him after one of your favorite Renaissance paintings. Like, if he's tell me you're Leonardo, as sitting there watching, him. fucking tell me you're Leonardo, and he was like crying in the corner. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, awful. Why would anyone do that? Anyway, uh, can I can I get a quick uh, mulligan on this one? Absolutely. Here? <laughs> so so, I, I, no, not, 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 trust me, it's I not going to be like that guy's wife. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I'll have good Phil and bad Phil, right? Yeah. So yeah. we got good herb, and herb then. Bad herb. I tell everybody, people, I don't like to go fuck themselves as as aggressively as I physically fucking possibly can, uh, including pushing people down flights of stairs. But good herb. <laughs> Uh, would probably, I mean, I would, I would waste every single red cent of my, of the money I have in savings, take my wife on like the most ridiculous trip I could possibly physically do within like a 24 hour period. And I would switch between that and taking my goddaughter out, uh, to like the coolest places I could possibly figure out how to take her and just, just show her a, a really good time. I feel like stuff like that I would do because I'm not nice enough to catch up a lot of trees and shit like that but the people i care about i'll do all sorts of awesome things for you so yeah that's what i do i guess i should have asked if we were stuck here where we live now or punxsutawney because <laughs> i picked fucking somebody's wife in punxsutawney but if the if the doors are wide open and i have the entire <laughs> east coast of the united states to do this, oh man I might pick multiple guys. I'm a, first thing I do is wake up every day and I go rob a pharmacy and take all the Cialis I could. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Noah walking around town with the biggest boner he could have. Just, just he's like four, four hours. Call a doctor. Four hours. Call your wife. Like I'm being fucking drag around. Like it's a metal I guess, detector. I guess I really don't know how. To fucking follow that um except that i'll keep mine nice and brief i don't know what the fuck i do i could go on and on about it but you know me guys i just make sure that i would take every second of that day to call jeff <laughs> my favorite dutchman and make sure i tell him fuck you <laughs> jeff fuck you oh, man wow as long as i have to say that every day for ten thousand years i feel pretty uh rewarded. it's only one time for me so i don't fucking care you know i i i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna level this out a little bit here um you know one of the things i've always kind of wished i would i could be what it was a musician you know i've i dabbled i've i've <coughs> not ever really kind of committed uh to be able to do that but you know the idea of like spending every day taking guitar lessons the idea of taking every day and taking piano lessons and, you know, at the end of all this to be a, a great piano player or a great musician or something like that, learn how to seek some other languages. You know, I, I would, I would kind of do the intellectual 
approach and, and just want to learn shit that I don't otherwise have the time to do in my life. Um, I could only read imagine, a lot of books that I would never want to read, you know. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I could only yeah, imagine being that music teacher and like, you know, it's like one day this new student shows up, like, yeah, I'm a beginner. He's just like playing Eddie Van Halen or Russian or something like that. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. I call bullshit. <laughs> know what you do, Mac. <laughs> you know what you do. All right. You'd play every goddamn new game. Yeah, that would. I, I absolutely. I absolutely. I absolutely. I absolutely. Yeah. It would. It would. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the only thing would is definitely reset, reset every day. day. That would definitely suck. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> and and zero problems. All over again. Oh <laughs> uh, well, it would. Shit. Just to have to seed through like Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild and shit. You know, bro, you got twenty four hours to beat every single game that you have in your library. Fuck it. I know. One game, twenty four hours. You can do it. Most of them, you probably yeah, could. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have. I, I don't know that I have a lot of like devious things that I would do. You know, necessarily. I'm sure over time I would probably find some people that I didn't really like, and I would just kind of fuck with them. But you know, salt yeah, you, somebody's lawn maybe or something bored, like that. You get bored. You get bored doing good things. Yeah, they, the evil in you would come out. Years. It's all in. It's in all of us. Uh, I know. I know. And you know just, the best yeah, part gonna, is you'd probably be the most evil out of all of us because you're like, I don't think I would do anything. That's how war crimes happen. That's gonna happen here. We're all yeah. We probably do some bad things. I wouldn't at all. Yeah, start off small, build your way up. Fast forward ten thousand years later, and Dave's got a skin hat on. Listen, and all and all the things that I would learn in my ten thousand years, the last one would be how to destabilize a country in six hours. Like that would be about it. That'd be awesome. That well, gentlemen, this is this is a super great conversation, but I want I want a lightning round through something really fast. I want to ask you guys if you would do me the honor and tell me what you think is your favorite or most iconic scene from this movie. And I want to start with our illustrious guest here today, oh, Drew. What's your, what's your favorite scene of this movie, where, or your most iconic? Uh, I I would say like the the, the whole like montage that is like him like. I would say montage, but the whole collection of that is him just doing all of the worst shit, like killing himself. You know, like that, like especially that five minutes of the movie that involved like the train scene and all that stuff. Like, because I know, like right there, like that's where I would have gone to probably immediately. You know, like once I realized what was going on, <laughs> I'd be like, I'm going right off this fucking cliff. Like it would. Mm-hmm. How can I blow myself up? Right, like. I would be the first thing I start. Once I've exhausted all that, then I'd start moving through all the other work. Shit. But like, yeah, I mean, like, oh, Murray, that entire moment, like, in the movie, that is him killing himself, Robin Banks, whatever you can do, um, was probably my favorite collection of the movie. Duck, what's your favorite or most iconic moment of the movie? Uh, favorite particular iconic. Like my favorite scene is definitely when he comes to the conclusion that he is God or a God, a God, <laughs> uh, and all about like, how he knows and he goes around the diner and he's answering himself. That scene is still my favorite scene because it's just like it just gave you like a really good uh, uh, picture of how long he'd been doing this already and how well he knew these people off the top of his head. Um, 
And and as a runner-up, uh, second favorite scene is when he gives those WrestleMania tickets to that couple you that's mother- in fucking Pittsburgh. Father, and that mother, broken. Mother, that's a young. You and mother- pissed me off. That's a young General Zod, <laughs> Michael Shannon. Uh, oh, fuck, incredible. And he gives General you Zod the fucking tickets to a WrestleMania that would never happen in Pittsburgh. Never Not even in '93 when business was down. Would it never happen in Pittsburgh? <laughs> we got the Royal Rumble we, one time and we fucking ruined it. We did. We just take a moment to name drop Adrian Brody, who is a therapist. No, it's not Adrian Brody. Um, no, you it's sure not, that's not Adrian Brody. Like yep. Yeah, positive. You would recognize him um, for anyone but, who ever watched Veep. He plays Andrew, yeah. the vice uh, president, uh, yeah. uh, ex-husband. And if you know, not to be spoiler oriented, but fuck you, I don't care. If you're watching The Book of Boba Fett, then he is the assistant to the mayor of Mos Espa. Yeah, fuck in that guy. In the book of Boba Fett, but not Adrian Brody. I definitely didn't recognize him with the with the thing on his head, without the thing on his head. But <laughs> the costume. Jafar, what's yeah. Your favorite? yeah, Twilight Dome. Jafar, what's your favorite and most iconic moment in this? Movie? Yeah, before I get into that, I want to say you know it's been a few years since I watched this movie. My wife mm-hmm. absolutely despises it. She hates this movie so i haven't watched it in a while and watching it back in preparation for this i find myself laughing a lot less than i used to I'm like this is not really as funny and it's a lot darker than i remember um but that's just my two cents but in terms of most iconic my favorite scene is when he steals a groundhog and he's driving that <laughs> truck with him on his lap <laughs> and don't drive angry yeah. Don't try angry. Yeah. Which, yeah, which, right. as soon as they Great stopped uh, shooting that scene, the groundhog bit him, <laughs> and they had to stop filming <laughs> yeah, for the rest also, of the day. He the <laughs> yeah. work with Bill Murray. He had to get. Uh, uh, yeah, Bill Murray had to get ready shots yeah. for for that. Yeah. yeah. Mac, considering this movie is on your all time list, man, <sighs> what is your favorite or most iconic scene from this film? Gosh, there's 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 just two of them, and you know, Jones, fuck you for for referencing the fictitious WrestleMania in Pittsburgh. How'd you know we were going to be in Pittsburgh right anyway? Off. The honeymoon gift pissed <laughs> me off too. It'll never fucking happen. Um, mm-hmm. So it is, it is a toss up between the iconic Sonny and Cher on the radio. Mm-hmm. The over and over and over again, how it just keeps happening. Um, and the, that, and the whole radio play, um, because and anybody who, who watches that movie a couple times will quote that. Um, and then the other is the, just the initial meeting with Ned Ryerson, you know, just that whole bang, you know, needle nose, Ned, Ned, the head, you know, just, um, that character that he plays is, is such a great character. Um, and, uh, he does get all the credit in the world for that role. Um, but I, I think it's a toss up between those two. I'm leaning more towards the Sonny and Cher because I can't hear that song and not associate it with Bill Murray waking up. Um, yeah, it's one of those two. Probably I'm leaning more towards the Sonny and Cher. Yeah, and also yeah. the uh, the Pittsburgh polka that plays when he first gets to mm-hmm. the to the ceremony light. Like, yeah, yeah, gets stuck the in my head every yeah, time. Yeah, one hundred percent. I, I uh, though my favorite one gang in the movie is when he takes the toaster out of the breakfast buffet, walks upstairs, <laughs> climbs in the tub, and then he goes throw and then you just see down there. Yeah, it's 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 such a small, horribly dark gang like the rest of the movie, but it's it's my favorite gang. But I am um, I'm gonna have to give it to you as well, Mac. I think the most iconic part of this movie is 
is that oh that fucking sick sequence opening up with that sunny and share i got you babe you know it's like it's so i can't actually you know it's so iconic i feel like if you guys would indulge me for a minute um i have to play it right now here we go Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. You know, you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, blizzard thing. The blizzard thing. The blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are. But, you know, there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay, but the big question on everybody's lips. On their chapped lips. On their chapped lips, yes, right. Do you think Phil is going to come out and see his shadow? Punk's a tardy Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day! Are we doing this again? Doing what again? Have you ever have ever had a case of deja vu? I mean, everybody that? does. More like deja uh, vu. I don't know why you're interrupting with this here the show here. Uh, well, welcome everybody. I don't know what Jeff's on about. We have a new guest here, uh, the esteemed Andrew Brown. How you doing, man? Hey, yeah. You know, <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. I'm really excited to be here. You guys are all. Splendid individuals, really swell guys. Uh, that was probably the nicest thing you've said to me since you've started record or said about me since you started recording this podcast. It's, it's um, I have listened about you quite yes, a bit, right. and if there's uh, anything I could tell the internet, this is the first time I've ever said anything okay. about you on this. Podcast. <laughs> the rest of us are the ones who rip on you all the time. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't yeah. say much about you because I care. I can't really argue that because normally what sticks out in my mind is the voice of Dave or Noah making said insults but i'm here to tell the rest of the world um especially peru hello peru uh that i am all of those things and i hope you come to learn that uh well if we know anything peru likes to come whether it be to learn or to not well welcome welcome to the show gentlemen what an apt episode that we have today because today is groundhog day and we're talking about groundhog's day Shocker. <laughs> How about that? How about that? Um, <laughs> classic cult comedy, classic film. Uh, and I, does this rank pretty high on everybody's list of uh, all-time comedies? Absolutely. No. Yeah, I, I've, <laughs> I, I, I watch this movie several times a year, um, every year. Uh, I will particularly watch it on Groundhog's Day on repeat as it has become a uh, newly tradition. But uh, I, I, uh, I often think that, and, and it's tough for me to say this because I'm such a Ghostbusters fan, but I look at that as such a collaborative effort. I think this is Bill Murray's best work. Mm. It's be. a hell of a movie. It, it is. is. I mean, if it's not my favorite all-time comedy, it's my favorite rock comedy, for sure. Like, for sure. Like right out there. 
Which, which, which is a great question to ask here in a few minutes. Is this actually a romantic comedy as it pretends to be? Or is there something darker, more sinister happening under the layers <laughs> of Groundhog Day? But, but I wanted to start this off by mentioning that of all the movies we've reviewed here on the show thus far, I mean, we've, we've gone especially super serious with Children of Men. We've gone super ridiculous with Mortal Kombat. A bunch of horse shit in between. This is not the first Bill Murray movie, but this is the yeah. first movie. Uh, that sets and starts in the exact same place that we live. This is a our first Pittsburgh movie here on a podcast in which f- four of us, five of us now, all live in the Pittsburgh, greater Pittsburgh area. Within the first now, oh, yeah, second. No. Um, in case the rest of the world doesn't know, within like the first 90 seconds of the movie, you see in the background the Pittsburgh skyline. It's just like to set up where they're based out of. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's much, much like the rest of Pittsburgh and its, and its citizens, unaltered since the early in every 90s. possible way, shape, and yeah, form. Exactly the same as it is today. <laughs> Story. Oh. Before we dive into that, what's everybody drinking today? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I'm going to start off right now, get it out of the way. Uh, I am drinking uh, a lot of water. I don't know if you guys have ever had the feeling that you've dumped a whole bunch of garbage into your stomach over the course of a weekend, eating terribly, and then the next Monday morning you feel as an atomic bomb going off, but not in a good way, in a really, really bad way. That's how my stomach feels right now. So instead of putting more beer and more garbage in my stomach, (laughs) ice cold water. (laughs) Um, I'm drinking Mars beer, a double IPA. Get your ass to Mars. To Mars. <laughs> I am drinking a Lustra from Dancing Gnome in Sharpsburg. It's their flagship IPA. Very nice. Oh, I, uh, what you know about Sharks, Sharpsburg, motherfucker? Drew, what I are you drinking? I am living <laughs> dangerously. Um, because I am still participating in dry January. And even though it is February 1st in like half the world, east of london at this point um i I, i'm gonna say that i'm drinking a latte with four shots of espresso all fired up i like it that's where i'm at mac you brown fam you brown family love your coffee man Mm -hmm. you don't don't, none you guys don't fuck around nope like every coffee has 17 shots of espresso in it i don't know how any of you even like blink (laughs) we don't we we really just fall asleep really slow (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right and then yeah. open some some uh, mac what are you drinking gentlemen, I, put much I, I am things in my body i am drinking a cherry pepsi that uh has quite a bit of rum in it nice there you go so there you I, I like that i'm sure that i'm uh because you know dishes have been a uh, uh, quite a chore recently uh this is a nice way to save on adding a glass to the dishwasher <laughs> and you know she'll carry me through the day Nice. Very nice. It's when you're pulling the Let's plastic speak. forks out of the dishwasher that like, you know that you've hit a certain point in your life. Indeed. Indeed. Well, we've all hit the certain point in our lives where we're talking about this film. Now, listen, <laughs> let's not split any hairs here, okay? If you're listen. to our shitty podcast and see this title come up on your Spotify or wherever podcast available, and you haven't seen this movie, even though it's been out for 30 fucking years. Uh, I have no hope for you. I hold no mercy in my heart for you. Fuck you. Spoiler alert. Go see the movie before you listen to us babble about it. Yeah, seriously. 
you know. But if you have seen it, then you know that it's a movie about a guy, a douchebag, who lives the same day over and over and over again. And it happens to just be the weirdest, most Pennsylvania holiday that has ever existed. It's Groundhog Day. So did every, anyone yes. see this in the theater? Did everyone see this in the theater when it came out? What's, uh, what was your first exposure to this? Jafar? No. Yeah, I don't, I don't recall seeing it in the theater as a kid. I mean, it came out in 93, so I was, what, 12 then? Um, I remember seeing it as a teen uh, and many times as an adult, but never as a kid that I recall. Okay. Mac. But then again, I grew up in Ohio, so yeah. we didn't really give a fuck about Pennsylvania and their groundhogs. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Mac, did you see this in the theater? I did not see this in the theater. Oh. Um, you know, it is, uh, this was definitely something that I caught on HBO when it, when it, you know, a year later, because that's how it worked. Movies were in theaters for a very long time, you know, leading up into like the early 2000s. Um, so you didn't actually get your movies until, uh, you know, VHS or anything until about a year later. So, um, but no, I caught mm -hmm. this one on HBO and this was uh, the, one of my, I, I, I loved it instantly when I saw it. I wish I did see it in the theaters, but, but no, HBO. Jones, so did you did or did not? Absolutely did not. And, and uh, actually, well, uh, movie. and yet again, as always, I, I'm like a broken record. Yet, yet another movie I have not watched in decades or at least 15 years in its entirety, mm. at least. Um, the one thing, the scene where he's playing the piano uh, or the keyboard in the club and like, he stops the band, puts the fist up to stop the band. I remember that being part of the trailer so vividly. As soon as I saw him, the trailer, I remember the trailer, watched that over and over again on TV. Uh, but uh, no, first time I watched it was probably <laughs> like network television. I right, well, watched the Groundhog Day trailer over and over again. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's uh, that's very meta, um, but I I can answer for Drew because we did see this in the theaters when it came. Did out. we? we didn't. I, like I feel like the first time I remember like vividly watching this movie from beginning to end was on VHS. Oh yeah, like, well, uh, we saw this in the theaters with Dad, uh, and then a year, two years later, whatever it is, when those things came out in VHS in the nineties, uh, they came out. Jackie, mom, got it, uh, and and watched it every day, twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> a year for like, myself so it was like groundhog day was groundhog day it was like it was brutal but yeah so you get the really you don't absorb it as a child the way you do as an adult and especially now watching it right. back for the show to, to 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 the existential dread that comes with it uh you know isn't there when you're five or eight or ten years old but we did see it in the theater we did at the washington pa okay movie theater so so exciting, fun times. Uh, but here we are. So let's just ask a big question. Let's ask a real big question. Uh, what? What exactly is this? A romantic comedy? Is this a romantic comedy, or is I, this a fucked up guy stalking this girl every day, and she just doesn't know it? She'll never know it. That he learned everything about her, all of her secrets, all of her. She know he knows how many. I'm harpies so glad I'm not the only one who knows yeah, that. No, it, it's because it's 100. Yeah, how I it's felt. not just her. It's half of the rest of the citizens of Punxsutawney <laughs> that he's just creeping around for however many years he was stuck in purgatory. That is Groundhog Day. But yeah, I, I think you know originally, if you look at when it came out, Harold Ramis, it was pitched as a rom-com. 
I don't think it plays it, as a rom-com today. No. Maybe it did then, but we're in a completely different culture now where some of the shit is very suspect and <laughs> compared to even where it was a few years ago. You know, the, the American Film Institute has this movie listed as a fantasy film. And they actually have it listed as one of their top 10 fantasy films ever made. So, you know, when you, I think when you consider the concept of the movie itself, you know, I think, I think the way that it was like pitched was that, and I'm trying to find the original because I've, I've spent a lot of time kind of researching this movie and uh, over the years just on my own because I love it so much. Um, I think what Harold Ramis said was the original concept was that Bill Murray was reliving Groundhog Day for 10 million years, but they actually scaled it back to 10,000 years. Like that was the idea uh, for him, that he relived that day over and over and over again for 10,000 years. So I think this movie, like, like a lot of good Bill Murray movies, they take on a number of different genres. You know, there, there is a, a rom-com aspect of it, but there's a fantasy element. Obviously, it's a holiday film, um, as, as anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't um, deny that. And, and pro- it, it has to be the number one Groundhog Day movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if yes. anyone can argue that. I mean, that, it, I it sits alone on top of that mountain, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I look at this more as a, as a, as a fantasy. Um, and yeah, you know, there's there's some some fucked up things that that Phil tries to do, but of course, you know, in, in any film where the main character has to have a redemption, you know, it doesn't work. You know that those all the all the shitty things he tries to do to get over on some of the townspeople for his own benefit don't it doesn't pan out for his benefit. So, you know, he even says that I think there's like that one thing he's like, you know. I was, there was a time where I was in the beach and I spent all day with this girl and we ate seafood and drank booze. We made love in the sand. Why couldn't I live that day over and over and over again? You know? (laughs) Um, And even in his attempts to try to maybe make some of those things happen, you know, it doesn't really turn his way until he starts doing it for the right reasons. Yeah, I mean, even though it's like one of my favorite rom-coms because of that romantic comedy element that's obviously in the movie, it really like rom-com because it's more about him really, I guess, falling in love with himself uh, eventually at the end of the movie. Uh, And then by the time he does, everybody else does too, you know, and that's all about redemption. Yeah, and there was actually a lot of conflict while it was being made. There was a lot of friction between Harold Ramis and Bill Murray because Ramis wanted to push it in the rom-com direction and Murray just wanted to make it his own and make it more of like that fantasy type thing. Uh, so there was a lot of clashing the whole time because there was a sort of this juxtaposition of how it should be or how it should be, depending on who you ask. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you put it on paper and like a man, a uh, terrible dude has to live the same day over and over again. And he learns to be a better person to those around him and people that don't expect it. Right. It's, it's, it's a very almost like reverse. It's a wonderful life. Right. And when you put it on paper and cool, but somehow from him being a dickhead weatherman, 
Uh, and his first instinct is to begin to manipulate the people around him. And then that's where he, and then he goes through this, oh, I'm going to kill myself and I'm going to rob a bank and all that. It goes through every terrible person thing he could think to do. And then ultimately ends up at manipulating everybody again. So it's kind of like, does, does he really grow or does he learn to, uh, when to show the parts of his personality? Uh, to, to make people like those parts of his personality. Because if you come right out and be a dick to Andy McDowell at 8 a.m., she won't react as well to it as if she does 8 p.m. after a couple of beers and sit next to Chris Elliott for uh, for a couple of hours. And really, at the end of the day, let me just tell you this. If I explain, like, oh, come on back to my house, let's watch this movie where this guy wakes up every day next to this girl for 10,000 years, and every day she doesn't know anything about him, and he learns more about her every day and what she loves and how she hates fudge and how she doesn't like certain types of ice cream flavors and begins to move and shake things and know how she loves acts of kindness and how he learns the Heimlich so he can save somebody right in front of her and gives money to somebody so they can thank him right in front of her and at the end of that ten thousand years mm -hmm. he actually gets to go on to the next day where they bang it's a great love story <laughs> like people are like, what the fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> this is not a love story well yeah it's a it's, a, I, it's, it's a, a sincere funny. uh case of infatuation and obsession um and i think because you figure the first few minutes of the movie he you can see the clear infatuation he has there's no love there's no emotion it's just pure infatuation that infatuation over let's say 30 40 years or however many decades or 100 years ten thousand years whatever it is becomes pure obsession and it's so un the fact that when he's I mean, making his last... move on her and she's saying no and he's still trying and she's saying no and he's still trying and she's pushing him away and he's oh still trying God. to put his hands on her and it would not stop it was so uncomfortable to watch then there's a uh, montage of a year's worth of slapping yeah yeah let me uh, he you know... doesn't know how to say no and it took him decades to learn that well like the last line of the movie is what can i do for you today or something along those lines where he's just like he realizes it's the next day hey what can i do for you so yeah he's like like obsession servitude at that point it is kind of creepy mm. i mean he's a broken man at that I point i always just opinion. tried to ignore what could possibly be like like creepy about that movie so that i can actually enjoy it because if i get lost in like what he did over the course of even as little as 30 years or as much as ten thousand years i I don't think I look at that movie the same when I get a little spun out on that idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's easy to go down that rabbit hole of, of thinking about the negative connotations about, you know, what Phil does as a person, because, you know, obviously at the start of the movie, he is a self-serving, self-centered, self-focused individual. Mm -hmm um you know he he talks about wanting to go big time and leaving the the new station in pittsburgh and you know him going to do the groundhog is beneath him you know that whole town is beneath him and even his producer you know who is new to the station she's not big time like he is the cameraman's not big time like he is so you know i think when you start off with that character arc and you know when you when when they were making the movie you guys know how Bill Murray is when he makes a movie. He doesn't ever pay attention to the script. He doesn't really worry about what's on paper. He was asking Harold Ramis when they were shooting the scene, what Phil am I being, good Phil or bad Phil? <laughs> and then he would just kind of take it in that direction, you know? And, and Harold Ramis, you know, clearly knows what he's getting into with Bill Murray because they've worked on so many movies in the past together too. 
Um, but, you know, I think anybody who falls into that situation where if they find themselves living the same day over and over and over again, you're going to run the spectrum of the type of person that you are. Because when, when you're living a life without consequence, then what kind of life are you going to live? I think anything any of us would probably look at certain bad things that we would never do. And then, you know, made, like robbing the bank, you know, he was able to kind of like watch when they were going to turn their back on the, on the armored truck and, you know, grab the bank, uh, the, the bag of money and walk away and everything. You know, if there's a way that I could figure out how to bust into an ATM machine on a day where I'm in loop in, in, in perpetuity, I would at least max out somebody's credit card and just go have a good old time doing something, right? I mean, it's 1993. Um, yeah. <laughs> <Fair> minimum. <laughs> yeah, but like, I, I think that, um, I think the film does does a good job of establishing his character and, and exactly what his character is, because I think that leads to you know, the redemption that his character gets by the end when he's not doing it for himself and he's doing it for everybody else. And that's obviously the time when, you know, Rita does fall for him. When he does decide to use this for something good rather than something bad. I mean, hell, he did what I would have done as one of the things, watch the same episode of Jeopardy over and over again and just memorize all the answers. <laughs> I love that yeah. scene when he's just sitting Press there answering all, all the old people questions. at the bed and breakfast. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Classic. Absolutely. No, yeah. No, so, just well, you last... guys know. I'm saying apparently Bill Murray wasn't the first choice for that movie. Uh, they apparently had asked Tom Hanks. Now, this was according to what culture name drop? Uh, just like watching different videos and stuff, just getting ready for you know today. Apparently, Tom Hanks was the first call on this, uh, but they're glad that he turned it down because he wouldn't work because he's too nice. Everybody knows him as a nice guy. Michael Keaton was offered this, apparently. Uh, mm -hmm. But Bill Murray's uh, who they went with after that. Yeah, Chevy Chase was considered for the role. Yeah, Chevy Bill, Chase. Uh, oh, thank uh, God Chevy Chase was not in this movie. Mm -hmm. Listen, I, right. just watched, I just watched Funny Farm the other day, and I would have loved for Chevy Chase to have been a part of this movie as well. I love Chevy Chase. I'm a, I'm a can big... I, can I put my hand real quick and say something? Here? Absolutely. I have a, a moment of honesty uh, with my friends here. <clears throat> I've never seen that movie. Funny Farm? Well, never, seen, I've never seen it. You're not missing anything. The closest I've ever been to Funny Farm, the very closest I've been, I'm pretty sure, are it's a trailer on the Ninja Turtles VHS. It's a trailer for it. That's the closest. <laughs> that, that counts. That counts. <laughs> um, every time, and I want, and I remember that because I watched that. Movie every time I go to so watch Funny times. Farm, I'm like, oh, I'm really in the mood for Funny Farm, and I get ten minutes in and realize, oh no, I'm in the mood to watch Money Pit. <laughs> go watch money pit instead so i just and, and, I, yeah, so and I, I live the rest of my life <laughs> happy knowing that i'll never make it it's like yeah. a stromboli i don't like stromboli and i never remember why i don't like stromboli until i'm about uh a slur into a stromboli i'm like ew uh, chevy I wanted chase is ned ryerson. that's what i want chevy chase is ned ryerson would be interesting yeah I think Chevy Chase, the only time yeah. you could put Chevy Chase in this movie would have been great is if they go to open the log and out is Chevy Chase in a top hat. And, and, uh, <laughs> and Buster, uh, Brian Doyle Murray is struggling to hold him up as he sees the shadow. That's it. And then he drives off the cliff with him. Uh, now, Matt, I want to I say something that wouldn't you said because you brought up really good points. And I know I kind of, although I see the kind of the negative side of this story, because uh, to me, it's very, it's like, it's in in my face watching it uh now back as an adult but you know you mentioned that 
uh, Andy McDowell's character fell in love with Bill Murray's character, and it was all, you know, it was, it was a wonderful... Did she fall in love with him? Did she fall in love, to, in love with the twisted version of him after 10,000 years of existence? Yeah, because she's, she's, she's still... She, fell in she love still only knew him for with. one day. That's yeah, she really didn't... Can you actually fall in, in love? Right? Like, oh. I, I feel like no matter what, like, the love story, the that part of this movie, it's, like, so shallow. Hello. It only only takes place over the course of a day, or so, you know. And and that human being comes. I, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm watching the movie. And he's like, you know, he killed himself a bunch of times. Whatever he did. What the movie doesn't show you is how he murdered the entire town. Like all the crazy things he might have done. Listen, <laughs> yeah, there's ten thousand other scenarios. On, <laughs> Tony. Oh, I, I, what I wanted if to he add, knew there were no repercussions. God knows, set the town on fire one night. He just decided to fucking run everybody over with a car. What, um, what, but I, whoever Phil came is not is not a human being anymore at that point. How could you even be sane at that point? Like you know, well, there's just, there's. There's two thoughts I want to add on to that, Jones. Just kind of help you out with that, right? Number one is if only this whole complexion of this movie changes. If there's only one thing that's different after every night when he goes to bed before the goddamn Johnny and Cher song plays, if he just rolls over and he has a picture of Annie McDowell and he just scratches the eyes out of it and then go, rolls over and pulls <laughs> the blanket up like real tight to his chest, then the whole movie that's all he has. There's no other. It just adds a whole vibe. But, no one bothers to ask what the, did being alive for 10,000 years in the same day will do you what kind of psychopath he's gonna be the day after Groundhog day like that's gonna mess yeah. like how like that's a oh, good that would point. be so terrifying and it, that'd be terrifying and, and then he turns there he's like let's live here like no you've known him Forever. for a day how do you oh no 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 yeah, I'm sorry. That's well, that. how do you be, go from yeah. going ten thousand, even if it's thirty or forty years of of no consequence, to now having consequence for the rest of your? How do you even handle that? Can you? Well, I, I think I, I think in the in the arc of the story is that he does come to grips with the things about himself that made him who he was when this whole thing started. You know, the, the arrogance that he had, the way that he just distreated people and mistreated people, the way that he passed people off, the way that he considered people, you know, naughty people, you know, the way that uh, he looked at his cameraman and, and just that they weren't anything at his level. All the people of Punxsutawney were beneath him. And as he goes into that, that darkness when he does, you know, repeatedly kill himself and try to find ways to get out of it and where the, the insanity takes over he did have the opportunity of kind of coming out of that where, you know, a lot of people, obviously, if these things happen in real life, they don't have that. Where, you know, no matter what you try to do to get out of something, you can't. So the only way that you can really get out of something is if you pick yourself up. You know, I think if you do relive the same day 10,000 times in a row, um, you're going to, you know, find all the aspects of your personality that you can take, that you would consider. And I do think ultimately that you know, he did want to be a good person. So he did dedicate, you know, at least the back half of that experience to trying to do good for the people around him because doing bad to himself and other people didn't lead to anything. He learned that. So, you know, I think that's a big part of the arc of the story is, you know, those experiences. 
I'm with you. Uh, I question it, right? Because how did he, there's no way he could have known by doing all these wonderful things that he get out of it. So he was just doing it just to do it, right? But why do so, yeah. it? doesn't so matter. I, just wanna, I wanna go on my, uh, my little eccentric way with a conspiracy theory that I stumbled across uh, whenever I was researching you know, different things about this movie. We've all heard that it's supposed to last over 10,000 years. Well, uh, the conspiracy theory that I came across is that Ned Ryerson is the devil himself. And because of the way that Phil interacts with him on the first interaction, he's decided to stick Phil in a time loop until he decides to sign his solo. And whenever that scene, the day it ends is the day he signs all of those insurance policies. He then gets Phil's soul. Oh man! And wow. got him out of the <laughs> That's <loop>. heavy. <laughs> well, that, that, hey, that's amazing. I did not see that that's incredible. Alex like, Jones yeah. couldn't even come up with that one himself. Return of the Frogs, gay, and Ned Ryan's the devil. No, uh, that actually leads credence to to my personal theory as to what happens not the day after Groundhog Day, but the day after the day after. So Annie McDowell comes home one day with a bag of groceries because for some strange reason, she's been manipula manipulated into quitting her job as a professional TV producer and living in a small <laughs> town in fucking Punxsutawney, PA. Which, by the way, if you, dear listener, haven't been to Punxsutawney, PA, you ain't missing anything, all right? It's fucking worse than the movie leads you to believe it is. But you fucking get... Well, even, uh, <laughs> even this, this movie was not filmed no, in Punxsutawney. Nope. Filmed, filmed in uh, Woodstock, Illinois, because Punxsutawney <laughs> wasn't Punxsutawney enough. Nope. <laughs> to film the movie there. But here's my theory. She's got a brown awesome. paper bag of groceries. She comes in, she's like, feel! And she opens up the door, and there is uh, Larry, the cameraman, Chris Elliott, and he's been skinned from the chest down, and in his <laughs> blood, written on the wall behind him is... There is no shadow. And then she just sees, then we just cut, and it's just Phil, Bill Murray's feet dangling. Um, oh, my God. When she looks at she oh drops, she drops the bag of groceries, Fuck. and that's what happens. That's the Groundhog Day sequel, because he can't go back from that. And it's what's that shitty movie with Sam Neill? Uh, <laughs> crap. No, it is not. First off, <laughs> fuck you. It is not a shitty movie. No, Groundhog oh, Day is not a shitty movie. No, 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 no. The movie you're referencing is not a shitty movie with Sam Neill. You're thinking of Event Horizon, and that's a no, 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 not Event Horizon because that's right. got Lawrence Fishburne. I would have led with Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, just making sure. There just is a sure. movie we were about to Sam down. Neill. Uh, there's a um, a movie where Sam Neill plays. Uh, he's in. It's about a writer. Right. And Jesus Christ, it's going to kill me. And he's a writer. And it's basically Stephen King. It's if a Stephen King book comes to life. And that's what we have to pretend is an interesting concept of the movie. But it ends with everybody almost sort of event horizoning their way out of this movie. Right. Where every character you meet meets some sort of, oh, I like this person. You turn and then there's a message written in blood and their feet are dangling. And it's, I guess it's, and it came <laughs> out like really the, around the same time as Groundhog Day. <laughs> Was it was it the piano? No, that, that's the director's cut of piano. That's a different movie altogether. Um, uh, was it ending? in the mouth of badness? In the mouth oh, of that madness movie. from nineteen ninety four. That movie, yeah. Oh, oh I've seen that movie. I know, I know. Movie yeah, in my oh, too, okay, dear sweet Peruvian listener, go watch in the mouth of madness, but only after watching Groundhog Day for the first time, because in my brain now they're canonically linked. There it is. You know, Drew, you, you so go ahead, go ahead, Herb. No, no, no. Please, I was going to say, go Drew, ahead. I, I kind of, so you're, I, I'm going to take your conspiracy theory and I'm going to raise you a little. Sure. I don't, okay. 
I don't believe that that Ned Ryerson is the devil. I believe that Ned Ryerson is in a time loop of his own okay. in Groundhog Day. You said that earlier, and I'm curious now. Yeah, because, you know, you saw what, what Phil does in the movie, in which he tries to gather information about somebody, and then the next time he comes across them, he uses it to gather a little bit more, and then a little bit more, and then the next thing you know, he's talking to the person like they're old friends. So you can see that Ned Ryerson uses that same tactic, but I think we're, you know, 150 interactions in with Bill Murray where he knows where he went to high school. He knows about his sister because, you know, Ned Ryerson probably asked him those things because he was trying again to do his life about selling insurance and whatever else. Yeah. So I, I've always mm -hmm. believed that Ned Ryerson was actually in that loop as well. And I think that's also why a lot of times he was so thrown off when Phil started acting differently. You know, especially when he's like, Ned, wherever, wherever you're going later, can you cancel it? You know? <laughs> um, and, he's, and he's holding him and everything. And Ned just gets really, you know, really uh, nervous. But yeah, I've, I've always kind of leave that, um, you know, Ned was going through it first. And then hmm. ultimately, you know, it ended up Bill Murray getting stuck in that as well. So I don't know at whatever point Ned got out of it. Um, but I, I, I think that he was going through something similar. Ned was an insurance salesman with a dark past. He was selling some shady insurance policies to people, taking advantage of the kind folks of Punxsutawney. And then, no, sir, you're not getting out of this Groundhog Day loop. Watch that first step, Ned. It's a doozy, right? So I, I've, I've always kind of mm -hmm. held that thought process. And the more I've watched the movie, the more I kind of fall into that. Well, I mean, that's a that's a really good segue into another topic we want to talk about. This oh, it really calls shit. into question. What? What if? What if that's all it is? Is continuous back and forth loop between those two characters? And that moment that he's like, at step, that's a doozy. That's Ned Ryerson passing off the time loop, maybe unknowingly. And then whenever Bill Murray folds and finally signs all the insurance policies and makes Ned trust him again, he's handing off the time loop, and it's just forever ending. Groundhog Day for the two of them. That sounds oh my awful. gosh. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. But I mean, that, what that draws in the question is the autonomy or lack therefore of, of the rest of the town. Not even just the rest of the town, but you have characters that, uh, you know, that start this movie in Pittsburgh, Chris Elliott and Andy McDowell. And then you, you come here and they don't have any say. So, you know, that whole credence that the Matrix is real and we live in a simulation for these people. It absolutely is. I mean, is is are they in their own version of hell? I mean, like you said, Jones, there's no telling what he did to these people over the course of yeah. those ten thousand years. Listen, he might have walked I around with the people in the diner dark. Hat. Yeah. Oh, brutal though. Nothing good happened. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you son of a fish. I'll drink to that. I'm not sure what's worse. Right. I, listen, I try. I, I'm not sure what's worse. It's like, you know, living the same day over and over again uh, until your eyeballs fall out, or having your life moved around like a, like chess pieces on a board by some uh, unimaginable force. You're experiencing pain, love, death, joy, sadness, tragedy every single day. The same ones. A little boy who falls out of the tree. How many times did that poor boy died? How many times did he <laughs> fall out of that tree? Jones, he never died. Hey, that's awful. No, Jones, he never died. Terrible. He never died. 
Um, this movie, and this is another thing I do want to talk about. Um, it's a it's an extremely smart movie because there are little things that you don't notice that they're doing while the movie's going on that is happening later in the movie. So my point, Jones, when the old man dies and Ben Phil tries to do everything he can to save him, there is that point when he's in the waiting room. And the doctor comes out to talk to him and lets him know that he died. You actually see the boy in the background of the waiting room with the cast on his leg. Okay. Oh. Well, so, I'll see you. Nice How many times did the old man die? How many times did he have to experience death? A cold, sad, hungry, miserable death over and once. And, and for what? For some self-centered head to learn a lesson about existence? Get what the fuck out of here. 10,000 different times, but once. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, like what? I mean, you never remember the other 9,999 times. He just did it once. For him, it was and, once. And, he died once. Look, that's a good call, Mac, because I did not notice that. All the other people in this town that experienced also the facets of emotion. I guarantee more people died that town that day. How many times did that guy walk in on his wife fucking his best friend? How many stub toes were there, Mac? How many? Can you imagine stubbing your toe the same way every day so, <laughs> for 10,000 so, years? So, Joan, that terrible. seems worse. <laughs> so, That's also, dear, dear listeners, dear Australian listeners, I'm going to go ahead and reference mm -hmm. our friends from Down Under. Um, down I down. was supposed to go to Punxsutawney for Groundhog Day. Uh, a number of years ago. And it's funny that you mentioned that, Jones, because the reason I didn't go is I ended up having a little bit of an accident like the week before, and I hit my foot uh, in the bathroom and broke some bones in my foot. So I couldn't really be in a position where I could go and stand up all day for the whole Punxsutawney thing. Uh, so some of my, our friends, Mike A to Z, Emily, Alan, Rick, they, they ended up going without me. And uh, instructed me about how horrible of an experience it was. Yeah. Have, uh, have any of you guys ever been to Punxsutawney outside of me? I have. I've, I've been. I there went to the radio Groundhog Day. Uh, an awesome. Scene. I worked in wrestling Punxsutawney, just outside of Punxsutawney. Crowd was well. They, they were the kind of wrestling crowd you would see at a small independent show in Punxsutawney. <laughs> very easy, very easy to work with, but it was a horrible drive. At two o'clock in the morning on the way back from that show. Horrible. Try finding a place to eat in Punxsutawney. It cheats. It's basically the only place to eat in Punxsutawney uh, after after dark. But um, no, it's terrible. Here's the other thing, too, is we're not just talking about the small population of this fictional Punxsutawney. And we're not just talking about the people that, that arrive with Bill Murray in this movie. But Groundhog Day is, for some ungodly reason, Mac can vouch for this, a tourist fucking destination. Because who doesn't want to see a rodent in the middle of deep rural pennsylvania but people that town square in this movie is fucking packed so that's a lot of people who are in their trapped at a time loop. someone took the and day off of work to drive six hours to get caught in a time loop, and they just arrive at the at, in order to see phil get pulled out so they their time loop starts with them waking up at two o'clock in the morning leaving their home in upstate new york Getting in their car, cleaning off the snow, and driving all that way just to make it in time to get stuck in Bill Murray's shitty life lesson. You know, the 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 attendance in Gobbler's Knob no. is an understatement. Gobbler. It is way more packed than that. It's it's almost right. I, that's actually a porn yeah. movie. I realized that before it was even a uh, an actual part of that movie. 
Uh, maybe it's Gobbling Knob. I don't really know. I could, could mm. be wrong on that. <laughs> but like, you have to. Um, but you have to. You have to. Uh, <laughs> I just. I just. What says the Maybe it was Gobbling Knob. Like, like pondering the fucking mysteries of the universe. <laughs> Uh, you know, important questions um, we ask here on the show. But but yeah, you have to. You, there are no hotels within like a hundred miles of Punxsutawney. If you're trying to get there the day of, they have to they have to drive you in. Like you have to get on shuttles to get into the town. There's no parking. It's it's completely packed. So um, you know, it's it's like a weird. Um, you know, Times Square, New Year's Eve, you have to get there at like 11 p.m. the day before, and you have to stand there and basically not try to go to the bathroom anywhere because you'll lose your spot and you'll never get back in. It's It gets that intense, mm. you know? So for all those reasons, uh, I'm glad that I didn't go because it definitely uh, uh, sounded a little bit um, rough. But gentlemen, uh, th- there's one question I want to pose to the room here. Um, and I think this is going to be an interesting insight to each of your psyches. Go on. uh, Jeff, I'll I'll start with you. Great. If you were stuck in Groundhog Day, if you had that situation where you had to live the same day over and over and over again, what would be one thing that you would make sure to do with it? Besides aggressive (laughs) masturbation. Oh my God. That was literally my first thought. (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised. Like, oh, every uh, building he throws himself off, surprised. I'm just fucking bah, 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 and switch hitting all on the all on the way down. No, uh, no, no. You do a downward tug, like you're milking yourself, like a cow. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! Well, I don't know. I'm gonna top that shit. <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't think that. Go for it. I, I, I'd probably get into some devious shit. Probably won't go into as much cock detail as Noah just did. Uh, it won't involve gobbling knob or any of those things. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure to be honest with you, Jones. What would you do? You, you, one day it can, it's going to be repeated over and over and over again. What would you do with it? Uh, I mean, honestly, that's a really weird question to to try to answer. Um, and, and and I don't know when it's just same situation. Um, my initial reaction uh, is to. Pr- Probably, is to probably tell people what I think, people that I don't like, people that uh, that that I have certain uh, feelings towards and, em- and negative emotion towards, telling them how I feel like they're going to probably burn in hell. Uh, that's probably what I do initially. Yeah, just get it all off my chest. Noah, besides getting it on your chest, what would you do? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I would answer this in two parts. If I was going to be a nice person, if I was being good, Phil, uh, I, I would probably, I don't know. I don't even know what I do. I'd probably get arrested for being crazy because if you start trying to tell people this would inevitably get ridiculous. But <clears throat> let me say what I do at least one day. I too would watch the bank and wait to see how much hash I could possibly rob from the fine people, punks and honey. And then on the other times of the day, when I'm not watching the bank, the time of that robbery, I would watch the people of the town, and I would look for, this is going to get awful, and I apologize for this, but I would look oh, no. for the happiest couple that is in Punxsutawney, unbreakably happy. And then as soon as I robbed the bank, I would take all of that cash 
and I'd go up to the happiest couple and I'm like, I will give you all of this money for one night with your wife. She's <laughs> just, just a full indecent proposal. Just yes. a full, in, you know, here it is. Here, 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 full indecent proposal, but he has to walk and just fucking ruin this marriage. Okay. Like, are you, you going to, it'll, it'll be fine tomorrow. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And no, I'm talking right. about like the most visceral, loud, like war cry grunt as I climax, eye contact, sweaty brow. <laughs> Like I had this guy, and then the next day when I see them at the diner sharing a, a nice little piece of pie and French toast, like the cutest couple they are, they don't know, but I fucking know. <laughs> would, would you make him wear a blue bandana around his eyes? Uh, call him after one of your favorite Renaissance I'm paintings. Like, if he's tell me you're Leonardo, as sitting there watching, him. fucking tell me you're Leonardo, and he was like crying in the corner. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, awful. Why would anyone do that? Anyway, uh, can I can I get a quick uh, mulligan on this one Absolutely. here? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I, uh, no, no, trust me, it's I not going to be like that guy's wife. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I'll have as good Phil and bad Phil, right? Yeah. So yeah. we got good herb, and herb then. Bad herb. I tell everybody, people, I don't like to go fuck themselves as as aggressively as I physically fucking possibly can, uh, including pushing people down flights of stairs. But good herb. <laughs> Uh, would probably, I mean, I would, I would waste every single red cent of my, of the money I have in savings, take my wife on like the most ridiculous trip I could possibly physically do within like a 24 hour period. And I would switch between that and taking my goddaughter out, uh, to like the coolest places I could possibly figure out how to take her and just, just show her a, a really good time. I feel like stuff like that I would do because I'm not nice enough to catch people out of trees and shit like that but the people i care about i'll do all sorts of awesome things for you so yeah that's what i do i guess i should have asked if we were stuck here where we live now or in punxsutawney because <laughs> i picked fucking somebody's wife in punxsutawney but if the if the doors are wide open and i have the entire <laughs> east coast of the united states to do this. oh man <laughs> I might pick multiple guys. My, I'm a, first thing I do is wake every day and I go rob a pharmacy and take all the Cialis I could. <laughs> <laughs> just, just Noah walking around town with the biggest boner he could have. Just, just he's like four, four hours. Call a doctor. Four hours. Call your wife. Like I'm being fucking dragged around. Like it's a medical. I guess, I guess I really don't know how. To fucking follow that um except that i'll keep mine nice and brief i don't know what the fuck i do i could go on and on about it but you know me guys i just make sure that i would take every second of that day to call jeff <laughs> my favorite dutchman and make sure i tell him fuck you <laughs> jeff fuck you oh, man wow as long as i have to say that every day for ten thousand years i feel pretty uh rewarded. it's only one time for me so i don't fucking care you know i i i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna level this out a little bit here um you know one of the things i've always kind of wished i would i could be what it was a musician you know i've i dabbled i've i've <coughs> not ever really kind of committed uh to be able to do that but you know the idea of like spending every day taking guitar lessons the idea of taking every day and taking piano lessons and, you know, at the end of all this to be a 
a great piano player or a great musician or something like that learn how to seek some other languages you know i, I would i would kind of do the intellectual approach and, and just want to learn shit that i don't otherwise have the time to do in my life um i could only read a lot of books that i would never want to read you know that's unfortunate mm -hmm. i could only yeah, imagine being that music teacher and like you know, it's like one day this new student shows up. Like, yeah, I'm a beginner. He's just like playing Eddie Van Halen or Russian or something like that. <laughs> Joe, yeah. I call bullshit. <laughs> I know what you do, Mac. <laughs> I know what you do. All right. You'd play every goddamn new game. And I would. I absolutely. I absolutely. I absolutely. I absolutely. would do. It would. It would. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the only smart is definitely reset every, reset every day. day. That would definitely suck. Oh, that would be awful. <laughs> <at> zero <laughs> all over again. Oh uh, well, it would. Shit. Just to have to seed through like Twilight Princess and Breath of the Wild and shit, you know. Bro, you got twenty four hours to beat every single game that you have in your library. Fuck it. I know. One game, twenty four hours. You can do it. Most of them, you probably yeah, could. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have. I, I don't know that I have a lot of like devious things that I would do you know necessarily i'm sure over time i would probably find some people that i didn't really like and i would just kind of fuck with them but you know salt yeah, you, somebody's lawn maybe you'd or get something bored, like that. you'd get bored doing good things yeah every Dave, day the evil in you would come years. out it's all in it's in all of us uh, i know i know and you know just, the best yeah, part gonna... is you'd probably be the most evil out of all of us because you're like i don't think i would do anything mm -mm. but oh, <laughs> That's how war crimes happen. That's gonna happen here. We're all yeah. We probably do some bad things. I wouldn't at all. Yeah, start off small, build your way up. Fast forward ten thousand years later, and Dave's got a skin hat on. Listen, and all and all the things that I would learn in my ten thousand years, the last one would be how to destabilize a country in six hours. Like that would be about it. That'd be awesome. That well. Gentlemen, this is this is a super great conversation, but I want I want a lightning round through something really fast. I want to ask you guys if you would do me the honor and tell me what you think is your favorite or most iconic scene from this movie. And I want to start with our illustrious guest here today, oh, Drew. What's your, what's your favorite scene of this movie, where, or your most iconic? Uh, I I would say like the the, the whole like montage that is like him like. I would say montage, but the whole collection of that is him just doing all of the worst shit, like killing himself. You know, like that, like especially that five minutes of the movie that involved like the train scene and all that stuff. Like, because I know, like right there, like that's where I would have gone to probably immediately. You know, like once I realized what was going <laughs> on, I'd be like, I'm going right off this fucking cliff. Like it would. Yep. How can I blow myself up? Right, like. I would be the first thing I start. Once I've exhausted all that, then I'd start moving through all the other work. Shit. But like, yeah, I mean, like, oh, Murray, that entire moment, like, in the movie, that is him killing himself, Robin Banks, whatever you can do, um, was probably my favorite collection of the movie. Duck, what's your favorite or most iconic moment of the movie? Uh, favorite particular iconic. Like my favorite scene is definitely when he comes to the conclusion that he is God or a God, a God, and all about how he knows and he goes around the diner and he's answering himself. That scene is still my favorite scene because it's just like it just gave you like a really good 
uh, uh, picture of how long he'd been doing this already and how well he knew these people off the top of his head. Um, and and as a runner-up, uh, second favorite scene is when he gives those WrestleMania tickets to that couple you that's mother- in fucking Pittsburgh. And that's, and mother- 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 that's a young you and mother- pissed me off. That's a young General Zod. <laughs> Michael Shannon. Uh, fuck. Incredible. And he gives General you Zod the fucking tickets to a WrestleMania that would never happen in Pittsburgh. Never Not even in 93 when business was down. <laughs> would it never happen in Pittsburgh? <laughs> <laughs> we got the Royal down. Rumble we, one time and we fucking ruined it. We did. We just take a moment to name drop Adrian Brody, who is a therapist. No, it's not Adrian Brody. Um, no, you it's sure not, that's not Adrian Brody. Like yep. Yeah, positive. You would recognize him um, for but, anyone who ever watched Veep. He plays Andrew, yeah. the vice president, uh, uh, yeah. ex-husband. And if you know, not to be spoiler-oriented, but fuck you, I don't care. If you're watching The Book of Boba Fett, then he is the assistant to the mayor of Mos Espa. Yeah, fuck in that guy. The Book of Boba Fett. But not Adrian Brody. I definitely didn't recognize him with the with the thing on his head. Without the thing on his head. But <laughs> The costume. Jafar, what's yeah. yeah, Twilight Dome. Jafar, what's your favorite and most iconic moment in this movie? Yeah, before I get into that, I want to say, you know, it's been a few years since I watched this movie. My wife absolutely mm-hmm. despises it. She hates this movie. So I haven't watched wow. it in a while. And watching it back in preparation for this, I find myself laughing a lot less than I used to. I'm like, this is not really as funny, and it's a lot darker than I remember. Um, but that's just my two cents. But... In mm-hmm. terms of most iconic, my favorite scene is when he steals the groundhog and he's driving out <laughs> a truck with him on his lap. <laughs> and like, Don't drive angry. Yeah. Don't drive angry. Yeah. Which, yeah, which right. as soon as they Great stopped uh, shooting that scene, the groundhog bit him <laughs> and they had to stop filming <laughs> yeah, for the rest awesome. of the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't work with Bill Murray. He had to get, uh, uh, yeah, Bill Murray had to get Ray shots yeah. for, for that. Yeah. yeah. Mac, considering this movie is on your all time list, man. <sighs> What is your favorite or most iconic scene from this film? Gosh, there's 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 just two of them. And you know, Jones, fuck you for for referencing the fictitious WrestleMania in Pittsburgh. How'd you know we we're going to be <laughs> in Pittsburgh right anyway? Off. The honeymoon gift pissed <laughs> me off too. It'll never fucking happen. Um, mm-hmm. So it is it is a toss up between the iconic Sunny and Chair on the radio. Hmm. Be over and over and over again how it just keeps happening um and the that then the whole radio play um because and anybody who who watches that movie a couple times will quote that um and then the other is the just the initial meeting with ned ryerson you know just that whole bang you know needle nose ned ned the head you know just um that character that he plays is is such a great character um and uh he does get all the credit in the world for that role um but i I think it's a toss-up between those two i'm leaning more towards the sunny and share because i can't hear that song and not associate it with bill murray waking up um yeah it's one of those two probably i'm leaning more towards the sunny and share yeah also the uh the pittsburgh polka that plays when he first gets to Mm -hmm. the to the ceremony like yeah Yeah. gets stuck in my head every time yeah, 100%. I, I, uh, though my favorite one gang in the movie is when he takes the toaster out of the breakfast buffet, walks upstairs, <laughs> climbs in the tub, and then he goes through and you see down there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a small, horribly dark gang, like the rest of the movie. 
but it's it's my favorite gag. But I am um, I'm gonna have to give it to you as well, Mac. I think the most iconic part of this movie is is that oh that fucking sex sequence opening up with that Sonny and Cher. I got you, babe. You know, it's like it's so iconic. Actually, you know, it's so iconic. I feel like if you guys would indulge me for a minute, um, I have to play it right now. Here we go. Okay, campers, rise and shine, and don't forget your booties, because it's cold out there today. It's cold out there every day. What is this, Miami Beach? Not hardly. You know, you can expect hazardous travel later today with that, you know, that uh, blizzard thing. blizzard thing. The blizzard thing. Oh, well, here's the report. The National Weather Service is calling for a big blizzard thing. Yes, they are. But, you know, there's another reason why today is especially exciting. Especially cold. Especially cold, okay, but the big question on everybody's lips. On their chapped lips. On their chapped lips, yes, right. Do you think Phil is going to come out and see his shadow? Punk's a toddy Phil. That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's Groundhog Day! All right, listen here, you motherfuckers. I am not listening to another episode of this shit about Groundhog Day. The movie's not even that good. It's not even that good. Whoa, whoa. Drew, I know you're a guest, but I... calling me a motherfucker? What the fuck? I hope you choke on your four shot of espresso. Just We haven't even started yet. Why are you so angry, man? Jesus, dude, it's like every every fucking time with you. I feel like is this how you treat all your guests? I feel like I've had this. This is literally how Jeff treats all of our guests, Drew. Every single fucking time. Every single guest. I've done this twelve thousand plus times. Are you? Are you? It's a good thing that you weren't on with my mother in Mortal Kombat. I would have been very angry with you. It's none of our guests. It's just you, Drew. Are you still pissed off about X Men: The Animated Series? I mean, it's a it's a good solid show. Shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> you know what? Why Jeff's so damn angry. I guess I won't take this time to tell him how I feel about Lincoln Park. But, you oh, know. Easy, 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 Whoa, easy. We don't, just, we don't need him coming up in your house and, and, and assaulting you with a very large craft beer can. Well, I'm okay. on the show for 90 seconds and he's calling me a motherfucker. Got, I, mean, I, yeah. I don't know where you burn every you need second. Fucking I, relax, man. I, yeah. I, you know, I think, this is the first time this has ever happened, but I think there's just too much fucking harbored bullshit drew i know you're really excited to be on the show and it's i really Groundhog was day, but i feel like I Jeff, what the fuck dude like you fucking just coming out you of talk shit on me had, every fucking I, week i don't even feel bad about it i had such a fucking i had a fucking I hammer hard on for doing this show uh and then you fucking had to come out with that ad. you know guys i think we just scrap it i think we just Listen, call this whole thing i mean yeah wait, we, wait, we need Jeff, to seriously Jeff. Noah doesn't even have a mic stand for his mic right now. It's just duct taped to his 14-inch rod that is fucking yeah, diamond hard right now because of doing Groundhog Day. And now he's going from midnight to six. Like Now it's dangling well, it's all the way. I'm you can hear me. It's down by my feet now. Thank you very much. And now I got it. You ever tried to rip the duct tape off a classic dick, Jeff? It's not happening. It's not good. You did this to me. All right? You did that I'm to gonna yourself. You did it to yourself. I'm going to FaceTime you while you do it. 
Just don't put me on the, the big screen in front of the family. That is not appropriate. Okay. How, how is he going to make sweet, sweet Peruvian love to the Sega channel now because of your fucking attitude, Jeff? Sorry. I, I'll find a way. There. Are you sorry, I mean, Jeff? No, not at all. Fuck you guys. I, don't know. I can he's, tell. He's never been sorry. What are you talking about? You know what? We're just going to call it. Thank you, everybody, for attempting to fucking listen to this show. Thanks, Jeff, for ruining it. Yep. We'll take another crack at it. Next week, I think we got Saturday morning cartoon. Fuck you. I don't know. I don't even know where we're going to get to if Jeff's goddamn attitude. Have we made a fucking record you, ever again? I don't know, man. But you know nice. what? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave you, Jeff, on this song. Nothing good. Then put your little hand in mine. There ain't no hill or mountain we can climb Babe I've got you, babe I've got you, babe I've got you, babe This next verse goes out to Herb Jones Having sex with the Sega Channel 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 In the back of an Arby's In the back of an Arby's And Sega Channel Sega Channel Doc will have sex with Chip now In an Arby's Dumpster